Where's Kay? Oh, there you are, Kay. Come on up, Kay. Kaylin Burke is going to be bringing the word for us this morning. And, yeah, go ahead. You can give it up for her, for sure. I just want to say this real quick, that every time that she has shared, I've gotten a lot out of it. I've been impacted wonderfully. And so I want to encourage you right now, put your hand over your heart. I want to invite you to be intentional in setting your heart in such a way that you're going to receive what the Lord has for us right now. Amen. In other words, we don't want to sit in the, in the posture of, well, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. But we're going to get our big bowls out and our spoons and we're going to say, all right, God, bring it. I'm ready. I'm ready. So, Father, we do position ourselves to receive what you have for us this morning. We know you love us tremendously. You love to speak to us. You love to equip and encourage and build us up. And so, Father, we position ourselves to receive everything that you have for us this morning through your amazing daughter. And we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Good morning. Get all set up and moved in. I'd like to back up so I can see everyone. All right. All right, like you said, my name's Kaylin. For those of you I have not met yet, um, I am Journey's mom, and uh, that's pretty much it. So, no, that's that's my one of my absolute favorite roles right now is getting to be Journey Joy's mom. Um, so, and I'm super thankful for the opportunity to get to bring the word this morning. So, I actually, I'm going to, I felt like I was supposed to share, or actually build upon a message that I shared two years ago. And I went and checked the podcast, and it was actually two days shy of being two years ago. So, the prophetic part of me was like freaking out, like, what does that mean? Um, but I just left it alone, I think it's fine. Um, <clears throat> so... So um, that message was um, forgiveness is accepting the simple gospel, okay? So I, a lot of this is going to be review, but it's been two years ago, and I think it's good to refresh, you know. Um, so, um, but we hopefully will have time for the new stuff uh, as well. Um, so I know we already prayed over ourselves, but would you guys say some stuff with me real quick? I like to do that. Um, God's going to speak to me this morning. I'm going to hear something new that I've never heard before. And God has a message exactly for my heart today. And I'm so excited to receive that gift from him. All right. Amen. I'm excited to hear the new stuff, too. Um, You guys can laugh. It's okay. Um, Okay, so let's start it out. Psalm 133 through 4. Desi's going to be our awesome scripture person back there. Um, this is in the message. It says, If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit, and that is why you are worshiped. So, <clears throat> um, you know, I've, I've realized recently that a lot of us have kind of our thing. Um, it's been a particular revelation in our life, something that we particularly walk out daily, you know. And um, like if you hear Lisa speak, a lot of times you'll hear some awesome stuff about overcoming fear uh, through love and stuff like that. And a lot of times CJ won't preach without hearing Walmart mention. 
Um, but it's, then that's not a bad thing. It's just kind of, that's what we ooze, you know, is that thing that's in us and ooze might not be the best descriptive word for that. Um, but you know, I was thinking, um, it says in Romans that, um, that through creation, we can see everything about God, right? You guys know that what I'm talking about? So we can look at a flower and see something about God, right? Um, but I was thinking about that and it took billions and billions of species of animals and billions of species of plants, and the, all the cycles of the universe, and the water cycle, and all of that to show us about God. Just think about what God wants to release through you about who he is, right? And so, if I, I feel like one thing that I like to release is forgiveness, okay? And so, because I was like, why do I always talk about forgiveness? But I just feel like that's something that God wants to reveal to you through me about himself, Right? And so I believe that every person in this room has something specific that God wants to reveal through you. All right. So, so anyway, forgiveness is your habit. So I have, I have, I can honestly say that I have, I have purposed in my life to make forgiveness a habit in my day to day life. And, um, and I like, you can ask my husband, we'll be like going through something. I was like, we should probably forgive. And he's like, I know. Oh my gosh. And, Uh, but, but I like to forgive from small things like people cutting us off in traffic to, you know, the big things where your deepest relationships, um, you know, wounds like that. And so, um, so I believe in forgiveness with all my heart and I have seen some amazing things happen. And so I'm excited to share with you this morning about the power of forgiveness. So I believe what I have might be a different perspective than you've ever heard on, on forgiveness. Okay. So, so forgiveness is faith in the gospel. So if forgiveness is faith in the gospel, let's see what the gospel is, okay? So the good news, the reason that we are all sitting in church today, is that Jesus died on the cross to restore our relationship with the Father. On the cross, he took care of our sins, right? You guys know that's like the gospel. That's the good news. He reconciled or brought us back into relationship with God. So 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 21 Um, perfectly spells out the gospel for us. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, right? We can't earn it, right? Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ. I just like to pause on that too. God was in Christ. So the father was in Christ. The Father was doing this for us through Christ, right? The Father was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So I think that last line is probably a pretty good summary of the gospel, don't you? Don't you think? Um, <clears throat> so, has has anyone in this room accepted that gospel as their own? Anyone? Anyone? So, so you believe that, that gospel is truth, right? And you believe that nothing you could ever do could pay for sin, right? And you believe that that on the cross is the only place that Jesus took your sin, right? That, that's the gospel. So I realized that if that gospel is true for me, then it is also true for the people who hurt me. 
And so whenever people hurt me, I choose to believe in the gospel over them, that what Jesus accomplished on the cross fully paid for their sin. Okay? So when we are wronged, something has to happen with that wrong. Okay, God is just. So let's look at a couple verses about God being just, just to show you in the word. Uh, Romans 8, or I'm sorry, Romans 3, 26 said, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Romans 3, 6 says, if God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? So we know God is just, okay? There's two verses about God being just. So we are also made in the image of a just God. So it's in our very nature to require justice. Okay? Now, if we do not accept the justice that was accomplished on the cross, we will seek to accomplish justice in our own efforts, which is revenge. Okay? And revenge, apart from God, is always empty. Because revenge apart from God is sin. And then so then revenge is only sin trying to correct sin. And it's this terrible cycle of wrong trying to correct wrong. Right? And so so that never accomplishes anything. So anything good anyways. Um, So God knew this would be a problem. And he had a solution. So let's look at Romans 12, 17 through 21. This is, this is God. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not is pretty direct, wouldn't you say? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So God says, it's mine to avenge, I will repay. God says, he will avenge and he will repay. So what does that mean? Avenge takes care of the wrongdoer and brings justice. Repay takes care of the one wronged, and pays back what was lost. Both of these things were taken care of on the cross. So will you accept Jesus' repayment plan? So one of the biggest hindrances to forgiveness that that I believe is, um, is that we have this feeling of, well, we don't want that person to get away with it. Right? Have you, has anyone ever felt that? You know, like, we're trying to forgive it. Like, I don't, what they did is so bad, I don't want them to get away with that, right? Um, but the truth is, no one gets away with anything. Right? Because when Jesus died on the cross, he took care of every sin that had ever happened, that ever will happen. Right? That's the gospel again. And so, so when we forgive, we're actually, forgiveness is an awareness of the lofty price that was already paid for their sin. Right? They're not getting away with it. You're coming into agreement with the price that Jesus paid. The weightiness that Jesus felt on the cross of their sin. You're, you're, you're um, seeing that and you're believing that Jesus took care of it. Does that make sense? 
Let's see. So, so in the Old Testament, God gave us an excellent illustration of what Jesus' sacrifice means to us. Um, so this was a while back, and, and I was sitting in my office, and I was, um, I was hurt, and I was struggling with something and, and trying to forgive somebody. And uh, has anyone ever had that struggle, like, in the middle of work even? It just keeps coming to you, and you're, like, trying to release forgiveness, you know? And um, <laughs> so finally, I, like, sit back in my chair, and I'm like, God, I forgive them. I need your help. And um, he says this super clear, and he says, I want you to paint the blood on their doorpost. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird, but thanks for speaking, Lord, because I heard that really clear. Um, <laughs> so, so anyways, um, <clears throat> but he immediately took me to this story, the Passover story. I'm sure you guys have seen plenty of little kids' plays over that and stuff like that. Um, the Passover story in Exodus 11 and 12. So that's the whole thing about... Moses and Pharaoh and set my people free. You guys know that story, right? And um, so there was this, the last big plague. Um, and then, so the last plague was the firstborn everywhere in Egypt was going to die that night. You guys remember that, right? You've probably seen the movies and stuff. Read the, or read the Bible. That's a good thing, too. Um, So let's see. So let's look at, um, we're going to kind of skip through, we won't read all of the Exodus portion, but Exodus 12, 3 through 8. Um, you can look up the whole thing later, but I'll just kind of highlight the main parts. This says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Everyone say one for each household. The animal you choose must be a year-old males without defect. All the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Which sounds kind of yummy. I don't know. Um, okay, so one lamb for each household, right? They, they kill the lamb. They put the blood on the doorpost, okay? which sounds super random. They're probably like, okay, this is weird, you know. Uh, <laughs> Exodus 12, 12 through 13. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Okay. So, he was bringing judgment, right? Judgment was coming to Egypt, right? Um, the, every firstborn in the land was going to die that night. And there was no exemption, Israelite or Egyptian, right? Every house had to pay the same price of death. Okay, but God had a solution for his children. And he said, if you do this, then I will pass over you. Okay, so that seems super weird, right? That they killed a lamb, a firstborn without limit, blemish lamb. That kind of sounds like someone we know, right? Kind of sounds like Jesus a little bit. They kill the lamb and they put the blood over the doorpost. And he said, that'll be a sign. What was that blood over the doorpost a sign of? It was a sign that death had already been paid in that house. 
It was a sign that judgment had already happened in that house. Right? So that the family themselves did not have to take on that judgment because a sacrifice was made for them. Okay? So going back to my story, God said, I was trying to forgive this person, and God said, I want you to paint the blood over the doorpost. Okay, and so what I'm doing is say, God, I forgive this person. I paint the blood over their doorpost. So I am saying that Jesus has already paid the price for their sin. Right, I'm saying that judgment and death cannot go into their house. I'm saying I believe in the gospel, and I believe that the only thing that can ever take care of their sin is Jesus' sacrifice. So declaring the gospel over people, painting the blood on the doorpost, is very powerful. Um, God set it up so he only works in the the earth through man's agreement. For example, the Abraham and Isaac story, right? He needed Abraham to be willing to sacrifice his son so God could legally sacrifice Jesus in the earth. Um, That's just one example. Um, so, So when we are, God wants our agreement, right, so we can partner with him and agree with his will in the earth. And so so forgiveness is saying, I believe the gospel is true over this person. And so if I believe, if I believe that the gospel is true, that that's engaging my faith for the gospel in that person's life, right? So I, I tell you, I have story after story after story of times when I've released forgiveness and I've seen things move. And uh, from little things to big, ginormous things. And uh, just a quick, quick testimony. Um, I, I spent years and years and still walking through process of forgiveness for a certain family member in my life. And, um, and you know how you can forgive and forgive, and then sometimes you kind of reach that point where you just feel it break. It's like, you know, walking, either walking around the walls and they finally fall down or you're chipping away at something and finally get to the end, right? It's like if you keep going, you're finally gonna, you're finally gonna get there. So, so I had this moment in my little house, and um, it was before I was married, and I was on my knees, and I was like, God, I forgive them, and I fully release them. I choose, um, I, I'm not judging them, and you're not judging them either, and I fully release them, and I felt that break. And, um, and it was just a few weeks later, they, they actually came to church, and there was an altar call, and they gave their life to Jesus. And, and I have to wonder, if I had not chosen the gospel, if I hadn't said, I believe the gospel is true in their life, did God have a person to work through to be able to release the power of the gospel fully in their, in their life? And so, so I want to ask you, is there anyone in your life today that maybe they need you to believe the gospel for them? So forgiveness not only releases the power of the gospel over people and situations, it also releases you. So there's this verse in Matthew that was one of those I kind of like skipped. And I was like, well, you know, I don't really understand that one. You guys ever have those verses where it's like, maybe if I just skim that part. Um, <laughs> but, but so I didn't understand this verse. It seemed super harsh for one. And it seemed to contradict um, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you verse. You know, it just wasn't making sense to me. Um, so this is the verse, Matthew six fourteen through 15. This is Jesus speaking, and it comes right after the Lord's Prayer. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
Is anyone else like, what? Maybe that's a misinterpretation. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I, I seriously, I was like, Lord, what does that mean? Um, would you explain that to me? And you know what the cool thing is, is that Jesus wants us to understand his word. You know, there's so many times he took his disciples aside and they were like, we have no idea what that parable meant. And, and he would explain it to them, right? So I felt like God um, explained this to me. So it says, if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And I felt like God said that when you don't forgive, you are denying the power of the gospel. So if you refuse to accept the truth of the cross for other people, you are positioning yourself to be measured by that same standard. You're basically saying what they did was too bad for the cross. And so if you say that, we're measured by the same standard, and then so now I am coming under that same standard. Okay, that, that's in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, so that verse, if we don't forgive others, God will not forgive us. That's not God being mean to us. It's that we're violating a spiritual law, right? Because if we're saying the gospel's not true for them, then it cannot be true for us either. So Romans uh, 2, 1 through 4, kind of says the same thing. It says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So so that part about you do the same things, I kind of want to expand on that um, that part here. Let's see. Um Okay, let's look at Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And we can approach the grace with confidence. Okay. Um, so, so we're talking about... Um, we, we can't judge because we do the very same things, right? Um, so, so one thing I want to kind of, another hindrance to forgiveness that a lot of times we think is that, well, but you don't know what they did to me. Specifically, we may think, well, I can see maybe how that person can forgive, but what happened to me is way too bad, and I can't forgive. It's like a whole other level, right? And so I kind of want to talk about that, Okay. Um, so that Hebrews 4 verse said, Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And that he's able to empathize with my every weakness. So how is that possible? How is Jesus able to empathize with my weaknesses? Um, so my question is, was his, did his, Jesus' childhood look just like my childhood? Is that how Jesus was able to empathize? Um, so let's look at Jesus' childhood real quick. Um, we know that um, scripture tells us that Jesus had pretty good parents, you know, um, that they loved God and, uh, 
and they tried to, to follow God. And pretty much the only story about Jesus' childhood we have is in Luke 2, 41 through 52. And that's the one when um, they couldn't find Jesus. And it was something crazy, like four days or something like that. And they're like, oh, man, has anyone seen Jesus? You know, we've been traveling in our camel caravan for four days. And so they, they go back, and they finally find him. And he's in the temple. And um, and he's like, wouldn't you know I'd be in my father's house? And his mom's probably like, what the heck, honey? I was scared of this mom to death. Oh, my gosh. Um, so... So, you know, I would, it, just my opinion, I don't think they were negligent parents. You know, they did lose him for four days, but, but they went back and looked for him, right? <laughs> so, so they, they took care of that, you know, we'll just brush that under, we'll paint the blood over that. Um, <laughs> so, so Jesus had pretty good parents. Um, were Jesus' parents divorced? No, no, um. Joseph was a stepdad, right? Um, but, but his parents were not divorced. So um, my parents were divorced. So if Jesus is able to empathize with my weakness, how in the world is Jesus able to empathize with, with my childhood, with my weaknesses? And the only thing I can think is that temptation is actually completely separate from circumstance. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I like the New Living, same verse. It says, um, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So, So this is important. My temptation to not forgive and your temptation to not forgive are exactly the same, regardless of the seeming weight of the sins that we have to forgive. In Matthew 5, Jesus leveled the playing field on sin. Uh, verse 21, we're going to kind of skip through, but it, um, this is Jesus talking. He said, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. He leveled the playing field. Okay, he did it again in verse 27. You heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Jesus continues like this with divorce, vows, revenge, and loving enemies. For each one, he says, but I say, and he levels the playing field. Basically, he's saying sin is sin. There's not a sin that's worse than the others. You know, and Jesus knew that there would only be one cross. There was not a small, medium, and large cross. And I like to say there was not a tall, venti, uh, grande (laughs) cross. I think I said that backwards, but... Uh, James 2, 10 through 11 says anyone who uh, keeps the law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. So do not accept the lie that your circumstances disqualify you from forgiving. 
the child from the Christian home faces the same temptations as the orphan on the street. If that is not true, then Jesus would have had to been an abused, neglected, drug, whatever, orphan on the street in order to empathize with some people. The weight of sin is just as heavy and just as disastrous for all of us. We all have the same choice to forgive. The amazing thing is every wrong that has happened to you, no matter how you feel the weight of it, was brought to justice and healing through Jesus' sacrifice. Nothing you've experienced is bigger than the cross. And the gospel is true for you. And it's true for every person who has hurt you. Now, this can be super mega hard. Like, really, really hard, okay? Um, And oftentimes, forgiveness is sacrificial. But I can tell you forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. And it's choosing to believe the simple gospel. It's choosing. If you have to do it a million times, God, I paint the blood on their doorpost. Judgment and death will not go in there. I'm not going to let it. Because you've paid the price for them. And I believe with all my heart that the gospel is true. And if it's true for me, then it's true for them too. You know, there's, there's situations in my life, a particular one comes to mind, where I have like a thousand times, I've been like, God, for the billionth time, the gospel is true for this person. The gospel is true. And you know, a lot of times we end up we're just going along, and we're trying to do the best we can to follow God, and we end up getting hit by the circumstances caused by other people's decisions, right, by other people's selfish decisions, and and uh, that just doesn't seem right, right? Um, but um, in particular, uh, one that we seem to kind of come into a lot, and no one is in the room right now, so you guys can not worry about it, but um, I am preaching to you right there. In the, no. Um, but the uh, situation just like kept coming up like we're talking years and um, and it was so frustrating it was like the most frustrating thing in my life okay and and I I felt myself saying I'm just gonna be super vulnerable with you guys I felt myself saying God don't I deserve better don't I deserve better has anyone ever said that am I the only one okay and you know that might sound like the girl on the chocolate factory who's like, I want a golden goose now, daddy. You know, uh, anyone else? I think the Bible's going. The Lord's speaking right now. It's okay. <laughs> Anyways, so I felt that kind of coming up from my heart. Like, God, don't I deserve better? Like, I'm just trying to obey you. Why does this keep messing with stuff, you know? And... um you know, at one point I heard God say this, and I'll explain, okay? But I felt like he said, you do deserve better, but will you choose this for the sake of the gospel? Okay? Now, when we think about us deserving better, we're like, well, we don't deserve anything, right? Because we're sinners or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think about in the garden, Adam and Eve had everything they could ever need, right? They had a perfect, intimate time with God. They had fruit galore. You know, they had everything they could need. God was saying, you do deserve better. But here we are in this life past sin, right? And people have free will. And so we live in a world that 
that uh, has to experience the results of people's decisions, right? And so God is saying, as my child, you do deserve better. I wish you had better, but will you choose this for the sake of the gospel? Will you choose to stand in the situation with this person and continue to forgive them? Does that make sense? And please don't misunderstand me. You know, I'm not telling you to stay in an abusive place or anything like that. I'm saying in relationships that might not be your favorite, will you choose that? God's saying, will you choose that for the sake of the gospel so that you can believe the gospel is true for them? Because I need someone to do that. Okay. I got excited and lost my spot here. Oh, um, so we're talking about forgiveness being pretty hard, right? And and choosing it. And one thing, uh, one example I'd like to give is, you know, we just earlier during worship, we prayed for healing, right? And so a lot of times you can pray for healing. You believe a healing was accomplished on the cross, right? But you still have physical symptoms in your body, right? If, you're, if your ankle hurts, your ankle still might hurt, but you're still pursuing that truth that Jesus healed it, right? And so in the same way, we pursue forgiveness in faith. I may still, I probably am going to have the symptoms of my emotions raging at this situation, but in faith, I choose to believe that the gospel is true. And so I'm going to push through and I'm going to believe that until my emotions line up with that truth. Okay. Um. So in Hebrews 12, 24, it says, We've come to Jesus, who established a new covenant with his blood, sprinkled upon the mercy seat, blood that continues to speak from heaven forgiveness, a better message than Abel's blood that Christ from the earth justice. So isn't that interesting? We have two choices. One of them is speaking from the dust, and one of them is speaking from heaven. One of them is dead, and one of them is alive. One of them is saying justice, and one is saying forgiveness. So we have a choice, because justice is inside of us, right? We're made in an image of a just God. And so with that justice that it cries out from us, I have a decision. Am I going to accept the justice in heaven? For my position in heaven, am I going to accept that justice and what was accomplished on the cross? Or am I going to accept the old man justice, which is revenge that doesn't do any good anyways? Um, so in, in this hard thing that we do, I want to encourage you not to trade your inheritance for temporary comfort. In Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son, Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. So Esau, I, I'm sure you guys, you can read the story, um, but Esau sold his inheritance for a bowl of soup, for a temporary comfort. 
So I just want to encourage you, as you are feeling the pressure and the hardness of forgiveness in your day-to-day, don't choose the temporary comfort which says, that's too hard for me to do, so I'm not going to forgive. Right? Because it is our inheritance to be kings and priests and to release forgiveness into the earth. So don't sell your inheritance, your birthright that you have received through Jesus for that temporary bowl of soup. Because you know what? That bowl of soup is going to feed you one meal. Your inheritance will feed generations. Okay, and so this leads into the new stuff I want to talk about real quick, okay? And we won't be long at all. But that kings and priests thing, okay? First Peter 2, 9 says, But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wondrous light. Revelation 1, 6 says it again. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and amen. So everyone say, I am a priest. I'm a priest, and we don't have to wear those little shirts or anything like that. Um, so so what, what do priests do? We're going to be super fast with this, okay? What, what did priests do? In the Old Testament example, priests went in before God into the temple on behalf of the people to offer sacrifices for their sins, their sins and the sins of the people. So, and rather than their own blood, they offer the sacrifices of animals to atone for sin, right? That was the whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament. Um, so Jesus, when he gave his life on the cross, um, he went in as the one and only great high priest, and he offered his own blood once and for all to take away the sin of everyone. Okay, so now as priest, we go in before God. We are actually already seated in heavenly places, right, with God. And what we're doing is we are agreeing with Jesus' blood that's already been given for our sins and the sins of others. Okay? So we're just kind of taking this up a level about what does it look like to paint the blood on people's doorposts, okay? Um, so Hebrews twelve twenty four it says, And we've come to Jesus, who established a new covenant with his blood, sprinkled upon the mercy seat, while that continues to speak from heaven forgiveness, a better message than Abel's blood that cries from the earth justice. We read that earlier, right? Um, let's see, Amplified. Let's see, we'll skip that. So as priests, we agree with Jesus' blood that's speaking forgiveness. So, um, so today I want to offer this idea that might be a new idea, might not be a new idea. Um, but, but so we're kings and priests, right? It's our inheritance to show people the goodness of God. We just read that in a verse earlier. So I want to offer this idea. We've established that we forgive people who hurt us personally, right? And, and so we choose to believe the gospel over them. But what if God wants us to take a little bit farther and that he wants to lead us day to day to actually release forgiveness over nations and over towns, over the land, over all of these things, right? And so if that sounds weird, let's look at it and see if we can do that, okay? So do we have the power to forgive sins? Can we forgive if we weren't hurt personally? Do we have that authority? So let's look at Luke five twenty through 25. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. This guy came for healing, okay? But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? 
that, that's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as, Jesus, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Talk about dropping the mic. Like, I'll show you if I have authority to forgive sins. Okay, so keep that in mind. That guy came for healing. In order to prove that Jesus could forgive sins, he healed the man. Okay, let's keep that in mind. John 20, 21 through 23. And again, he said, this is Jesus again talking to us, basically, right? He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Okay. So, anyone else know a verse when Jesus said, he sent his people out and he said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, right? If Jesus used healing the sick to prove that he could forgive sins, he sent us to do the same thing and told us to heal the sick, don't you think that we can forgive sins as well? So, and the the thing is, it is not us accomplishing forgiveness. What we're doing as priests Forgiving sins is that we're saying we fully believe in the gospel. We fully believe that Jesus already said you're forgiven. So I'm not really doing anything. I'm just agreeing with him. His blood is already on the mercy seat speaking forgiveness. So, with that in mind, I believe we live in a world, like we said earlier, where we experience the consequences of people's decisions, right? And so lands and places and homes and people are experiencing the results of decay, which is a result of sin, right? But as priests, we can go in and we can release forgiveness over that. We can, it, it, you know, we, we own a home right now. And so we're praying, God, what forgiveness needs to be released over this land? What forgiveness needs to be released over this building? Right? And, and that might sound weird, but all we're doing is agreeing that the gospel is true and that we're, we're covering that in the blood of Jesus because the decisions that those people made are, have been taken care of on the cross. Right? Okay. So, so now that, that may sound like a huge thing, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. Um, so where would you even start with an idea like that? And, and I, so I want to say the, the concept of daily bread, right? So um, Jesus prayed, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us, right? Lord's Prayer. Um, and so I believe that God has daily bread of forgiveness for us to release, of healing for us to receive, of words he wants to speak to us, words he wants to speak to other people. And so instead of feeling this weight of like, oh my gosh, we live in this city that needs so much forgiveness, like where do I even start, you know, that we can believe that God has daily bread for today. Okay, that, that today God might say, I want you to, to release forgiveness over this family member and receive healing in your heart in this place. Does that make sense? That, um, that he has something every single day. And so for one, that makes every day exciting, right? 
that there's not a day that goes by that he doesn't have something for you to do or something for you to receive. So to me, that just brings such a greater purpose to our Christian walk. Like, what does it even mean to be a Christian and to walk in every day? Well, every single day, God has a daily bread thing for you to do. And he has forgiveness for you to release. He, he says, this person needs you to believe the gospel over them. Will you do it for me for the sake of the gospel? And it's 1130, so. Amen. <laughs> That's really good. Okay, just stay up here for a second. Um, I just so appreciate the message of forgiveness. And if you guys would just stand up real I almost said real quick, but you, some of us can't go real quick. So that's okay. Just stand up. Because I just believe this message needs a response. And so I just want you to close your eyes. Or if you can't close your eyes, just look down. You know, just focus. Focus on the Lord right now. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, who is it that I am holding grudges against? Is there somebody today that I need to pray over and forgive today? And as Kay was even speaking, the Lord was just speaking to me when she was talking about grudges against land areas. And I just felt there was something there. And I just even want you to ask, if no one's coming to your mind, even just, are there grudges against the town or places you came from? A lot of times we look at a place like, oh, I used to live there. Oh, my, is that a dump? Oh, like if if you pay attention to words that you have spoken over something, you're going to figure out what's been you're holding in your heart. Right? I've heard things like, oh, this town is awful. I can't wait to get out of here. (laughs) Oh, don't go to this place. This is fill in the blank. And if that's, if that's something you need to settle with the Lord, in a second, I'm going to have Kaylin pray and just lead us in just a general prayer. So just get ready, Kay. Even the Lord was saying this. When we, inju- when we even judge the intention of someone's heart, you know how, oh, I know how they're feeling. This person's really saying this. When we are judging an intention of someone's heart. We actually have made an agreement with the enemy to see others through judgment versus through the cross. So when we come into a belief system, oh, I know that CJ, he is really thinking this. He is really that. Like, we have this intent. We know how they're thinking. We know how they're feeling. We're actually aligning ourselves with the enemy. Versus the cross. (laughs) So just go back. I just want you to close your eyes. Go back to your parents. For teenagers, that's going to be pretty easy. (laughs) Could be easy for us. And whatever your heart is saying, I want Kay to just lead us through a prayer of forgiveness over hearts, over intentions, agreements with the enemy, and agreements maybe where we came. Can you do that, Kay?
Right, Jesus, we believe with all of our hearts that the gospel is true because we accepted that truth for ourselves. And so, in faith, we release that same belief over these people or places, over decisions made in in homes or, or lands or places. And in Jesus' name, we paint the blood over the doorpost of their home, that it was one lamb for their household. And thank you, Jesus, that you took care of, that you did the avenging on the cross. And we trust your ability to avenge. And you also do the repaying on the cross. And so we fully receive the healing that you have for us. We fully receive everything that you purchased on the cross. In Jesus' name. And we are a people who continually believe that the gospel is true. No matter how many times we've got to do it, God, and we say yes to you, we will do it for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen.